are not here tonight, God, that you strengthen their faith, God. I thank you so much, Lord, for the opportunity to be a disciple, God. God, we want to walk with you forever, God. We know that your plan for our lives is perfect. And I really pray tonight, God, that you speak powerfully through your word, God. Your word never comes back empty, God. And we're just excited to see what you want to tell us tonight, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 So, radiance from within. Come on. Um, what are some thoughts when you guys hear the word radiance? What do you guys think of? Shining like Shining, bright. Shining. Shiny. Shiny. <laughs> <laughs> what? Illuminous. Luminous, nice. What did you say? Vibrant. All right, so a lot of these things have to do with light, right? Um, I don't know if you guys saw the the digital thing that Ingrid did. That was so cute. But she's like, "What do you want it to look like?" I'm like, "Something with a light." I don't know. <laughs> but when you think about radiant, you think about a light, and um, you know the definition of radiance is sending out light shining or glowing brightly. And I want to look at Psalm 34 because as you guys know, our Women's Day theme is radiant. And there's 14 weeks until Women's Day. That means there's seven weeks left until Women's Day. So we're doing a series all about how to be radiant because we need to be radiant to have an amazing Women's Day because we want people to follow us to Women's Day, right? So let's go to Psalm 34, verse 5. Psalm 34, 5. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. When you look to God, you are radiant. And radiance, to, to be radiant and to shine and to send out light, there must be a fire in your soul. And so we're going to do this um, seven-week series on radiant. And the first scripture I thought of when I thought of the word radiant is Matthew chapter 5. Come on, sis. Verse 14. Let's go for it. And here it says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So, this is talking about shining to the world. It says, you are a light to the world. Sometimes I like to read the Bible as a personal love letter to me. Right. That really helps me connect mm-hmm. with the Bible and not just read it as a story, but, okay, God is writing this to me. And it says, you are the light of the world. And radiance comes from down in your heart. I believe that we all want to be women of radiance, mm-hmm. but we first have to look inside our hearts. So my first point is wrestling to be radiant. And, you know, the the story that we're going to focus on is in Genesis 32, where Jacob wrestles with God. And the NET version of Genesis 32, verse 31 says, I have seen God face to face, 
and have survived. Wow. <laughs> and when I think of the word survived, you know, like if someone yeah. said, how are you doing spiritually? And I said, oh, I'm surviving. That's not really admirable. That's definitely not radiant. I don't think of it in that way. But in time, just as I've kind of gained perspective of discipleship in this culture, I've come to realize that if you can survive spiritually in this culture, it is remarkable. Yeah. It's absolutely yeah. remarkable. It is admirable. And what we're doing as disciples is admirable. I remember when I studied the Bible, and I thought the women I studied the Bible with were angels. Mm-hmm. Like, there is no way in the world that people can live now like you are living. Yeah. You are out of this world. That's how I thought, and I told them that. I was like, are you guys angels or something? And um, and then she was like, no, these are my struggles. Like, oh, okay, you're human. Great. Thanks for the affirmation. Um, and so it's an incredible thing to be pure in this culture. True. To be committed. No one is committed to anything in this culture. <laughs> to be committed. That's true. To please someone other than yourself. Mm-hmm. It is admirable mm-hmm. to survive spiritually. Mm-hmm. And tonight I want to focus on simple things. That radiance begins with God. And in fact, life begins with God. Nice. So Genesis 1 verse 1, it said, God created the heaven and the earth. And we must be confident that when we wrestle with God, we will gain the victor's crown. That's what the Bible says. But the only way we can do this is if we walk with God. Everything starts and ends with God, including yeah. the world. And so this walk, the walking with God, it needs to be a faithful walk. A walk of faithfulness through good times and tough times. Mm. This is to be a walk where we wrestle to the point of change. You know, God must become our one compa- our one passion that consumes everything in our lives. Mm-hmm. This is the walk with God that we're going to talk about today. And I believe this is the key to you sustaining in the kingdom. Yes. God is a relationship that should be communicated with. Mm-hmm. Emotionally, you, we need to talk to God in every way about right. our deep feelings, our deepest thoughts. It's a necessity right. to talk to God about everything you feel. Your anger, your pleasure, your frustrations, your disappointments. We always need to be talking to God. Yeah. And we also always need to be thinking about the presence of God. You are... We, are, we walk with God, but God is walking with you. And he's always watching you. Mm-hmm. And it's important that we remember that, not to think, God's watching me to judge me. No, he's watching you because he loves you. Right. Like, I love watching Brinton. I love when he builds these little towers. He's so creative with Legos. He'll build the craziest things. And I love just watching him because I love him. I want to see what he's doing with his time. (laughs) I see God the same way. Like, I'm not standing there waiting to reprimand Brenton. I'm standing there waiting to praise him, to encourage him, to direct him. And that's how God is in our lives. And it's important we view God that way. You know, to have a sense of understanding that God is with you all the time. And, And when you have that understanding, you're not driven to do right because of people. And you're also not driven to do wrong because of people. 
But you're driven to please God because that's who you're always thinking about. Mm. When we wrestle with God, our dreams come true, but only after you wrestle with God. So we're going to look at Genesis 1, verse 1, because if we're going to wrestle with God, we have to start at the beginning and understand the character of God. Genesis 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. You know, here it says that God took a hold of the earth, and it was formless, dark, and an empty place. And the only thing that had depth of the earth was the surface of the deep. And that's, you know, I think about that, and that's where a lot of us were spiritually when we became right. disciples. We were formless. You know, we had um, just this explosive, combustible place, which was called our hearts. <laughs> and God came into our lives and molded our heart and shaped our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we really have to um, not forget that it all began with God. And that you may, you know, this is where it all ends too. Sometimes we can just be so discontent with our lives. And we can say, you know, I'm just not happy. I'm a disciple, but I'm not happy. I'm not content. I don't like, why is my life here? I expected it to be here. But that's that's because we forget that it all started with God and it all ends with God. Mm -hmm. And if that's not enough for you, you're not going to be happy. And you're not going to ever be content. And so, you know, we really forget that, that we might never be the things that we want to be. You might never be famous. You might never get encouraged from the pulpit. You might never have a leadership role or, or graduate in the degree that you want to graduate in or get yeah. the, the role at your job that you want or be in a certain relationship. But is God enough for you? Yeah. So that's really what I want to talk about today. That's because... Nice. When, when you understand that it all started with God, you will be content. I think God wants us to see our need for him and see that without him, we are formless, we are empty, and we are dark. And it all started with him. And without God, we cannot overcome our sin. He wants us to realize what we would be without him. And so when we become Christians, our life gets so much better. There's no doubt about that. But sometimes we can forget why it became better. And sometimes we don't realize that God has shaped us and molded us and formed us into something that we could have ever been on our own. And we can not, because we don't realize this, we can get discontent. And so every day for me, I'm motivated to have my quiet time. Because I don't ever want to forget who I was without God. And I also know what I'm like without spending time with God. Right. I know that the times where I run out of the house quickly and I'm like, okay, I'll pray later, I'll read my Bible later, it makes a complete difference in my day. Yes. Yes. And so every day I realize that I'm just one step away from spiritual failure. You know, if I, if I don't spend time with God, if I'm not walking with God, I can be easily impatient. I can be rude. I can get easily angered. And I need to plug into God. You know, and we need to see that. You know, I think about um, um, Alcoholics Anonymous. They tell you, you need to belt loop yourself to somebody. If you're an alcoholic and you want to get over it, you need to belt loop yourself. That's the saying that they say. And that means you literally should have, like, your belt loop connected to someone else's belt loop. 
-hmm. that means you they cannot leave your site and you cannot because you you know you can find alcohol anywhere so Mm -hmm. I think that's a pencil sharpener or something (laughs) if you guys were wondering everyone's like looking around um but but that's how much how dependent we need to be on God like I know I'm weak without God I'm going to belt loop myself to God. I don't want to go anywhere without him. I don't want to accidentally wander into the corner store and do something stupid, right? right. And so that, that is my heart. And I believe that's your heart too. That's why you're here today. Um, but we need to realize that, that our spiritual well-being is completely reliant upon our personal walks with God. Yes. Not upon the fellowship not upon anything like that, upon your personal walk with God. Yeah. And, um, you know, our flesh can just roar against relying on God because we want credit for the good things that happen in our lives. Yeah. And what we need the most is to fight for your walk with God. Yeah. I've heard people say, it's so hard for me to get close to God. It's so hard for me to have genuine relationships in the kingdom. Do you know why? Because those are the two relationships Satan does not want you to have. The number one relationship Satan doesn't want you to have is with God. So he will distract you. He will make you feel like it's boring. He will do all these things to pull you away from God. The number two relationship Satan does not want you to have is relationship with your sisters. So he will make it so you feel awkwardness. So you, he, he will pin you guys against each other. That's Ephesians 6. That's what it's talking about. There is a spiritual battle going on. Mm-hmm. So these are the relationships we have to fight for. Yeah, our relationship right. with God and our relationship with one another. Yeah, and, um, you know, for me, there was a time in my relationship with God where I did not want to continue anymore. And I was sharing this with a sister the other day, and I realized that I don't really share this story a lot. And I don't know why, but I'm going to share it right now. Um, <laughs> but there was a time where I didn't want to continue on with my walk with God. I had, my heart had gotten hard, and I wasn't spiritually sharp at that time, so I didn't realize that my heart had gotten hard. This is when Joel and I lived in Riverside, and, um, and I was, we were leading a region of the church in Los Angeles, and we had a lot of responsibilities in the church, and, you know, I, I just didn't realize it, because I was so involved in my responsibilities. And I, my heart was getting harder and harder every day. And, um, and I wasn't reaching out as much as I should have been for help. And, you know, a lot of the people that I was around, I was leading. And they were younger spiritually, so they, weren't, they also weren't, like, noticing things, I guess, or they never brought it up to me. And so, um, so there was just this point where I was like, I'm not going to continue. I don't want to walk with God. I don't want to deny myself every day. I don't want to do this. And I called my discipler, and I told her, I said, today is my last day as a disciple. That's what I told her. And she said, no, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) And I was so mad that she said that. She said, no, it's not. Have a quiet time tomorrow. I'll talk to you later. I'm like, this woman, like, what? She's not even going to dig in my heart and see what's going on? Like, the audacity. And uh, I get off the phone, and I'm just sitting there like, what just happened? What did she just say to me? And the next day, you know what I did? I got up, and I had a quiet time. And she called me, and she, I, I was, I was, kind of mad at her like, that was so heartless she just told me to just have a quiet time you know but the next day she called me and she said how was your quiet time 
and I was like, it happened. <laughs> and my heart was hard still, and she's like, well, how's your faith? And I'm like, it's growing. And I kind of felt like there's a scripture in Ezekiel 36 that says God changes your heart of stone to a heart of flesh. And I kind of felt like my heart was just hard soil, and that quiet time was like one hit, like God hitting the hard soil with a hammer or whatever. I don't know the terms of gardening tools. Whatever that thing is. That softens the soil. And, um, and it was just like one hit. And so then she's like, okay, have a quiet time tomorrow. I'll call you tomorrow. Like, what is with this woman? Do you really want to dig in my heart and see what's going on with me? She's just like, have a quiet time. I'll call you tomorrow. So the next day I have a quiet time. She calls me. Hey, how was it? It was better. And this happened for two weeks. <laughs> and for two weeks, she never asked me what was going on. Like, how are you? What's, what, why is your heart hard? Nothing. She just kept sending me back to God with, like, no sentimentality, no long conversations. Yeah. And um, every day my faith was growing. And every day my heart was getting softer because I decided to have faith in the basics. You know, that reading your Bible actually does build your faith. And yeah. praying actually does help you grow closer to God. Yeah. And so by the end of two weeks, I'm like on the top of the world spiritually. And it was so great because God works and God works in your yeah. heart with, the, with yeah. the scriptures that you read every day. And he is very purposeful with what he has you read every day because yeah. he orchestrates all of that. Right. And, um, and my heart completely changed. And although at the end of that, that process, I still was kind of like, why did that woman say that to me? I realized something that ultimately God is everything mm -hmm. and that woman may not be in my life forever yeah. and right. I need to be plugged into God and that needs to be why I'm a disciple yeah. and why I'm part of God's kingdom because I'm plugged into God not my disciple asking right. me what's going on in my heart right, right? yeah and so um you know it's just incredible how quiet times change your life yeah. they absolutely change your life if I didn't have a quiet time I would not be here and because I had quiet times for two weeks straight, it helped me. <laughs> and, and honestly, I've never gone back to that place where I felt like that. Because I've really put a huge importance on my time with God every single day. And so, you know, we need to make our women's ministry whole by realizing the only reason we're here is not for each other, but it's for God. You know, a lot of people weren't even here a couple years ago. There was only a few of us. Raise your hand if you were on the original mission team. A fraction of us. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we were talking about how we used to meet in the basement <laughs> on the floor because we had no furniture. <laughs> yeah. Not here, not this basement. Oh, yeah. That'd be creepy. <laughs> but, you know, in. Our relationship with God is hand in hand with our relationship with one another. And for me, times when I've lost started lost sight of God, I've also drifted away from my relationships in the church. Yeah. And that's that goes back to what I was saying, how Satan wants us to drift away from our relationships in the church. And bitterness is something that really can harden a lot of us. And it's because we lose sight that God is the beginning and God is the end. And you've got to keep that in mind. That thought alone will guard your heart against all things. The, everything can change in your life. The only thing you should stay hooked on to is the fact that God is with you. Yeah. And that God is in control. Come on. You know, 
we can really have expectations in our life as, you know, we're, we're such visionaries as when we're very young. We have huge expectations, huge dreams. Yeah. And when we get older, we can, we can have this heart of like, hey, I didn't get those things. What happened? My life isn't turning out the way that I thought it would be. And we can start to blame it on things. And because, like I said, Satan does not want you to love God and love the kingdom, you can start to blame it on circumstances that God allowed you to go through. Mm -hmm. Or you can blame it on the church. Oh, if I wasn't in the church, my life would be here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, blame it on all these things. But guess what? The majority of people are disappointed with where their life ended right. up. Yeah. And oh, yeah. most people's life does not end up where they thought it would be. But people who aren't in the church don't blame it on the church because they're not in the church. Right. Everyone wants to blame it on something. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. But God, just remember who God is and that God is in control of everything in your life. Yeah. Let's go to Genesis chapter 5, verse 18. Genesis five eighteen. When Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. And after he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Jared lived 962 years, and then he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God. 300 years, and all the other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God, then he was no more, because God took him away. Mm. You know, here it really stands out, because Enoch's life took a turn. It shifted. And it shifted after he had kids. (laughs) And everyone needs a turning point in their relationship with God. A shift. You know, here it says, after he became a father, he walked with God. For all the moms, you know that having kids makes you walk with God a little more. Oh, yes. And, um, and <laughs> kids really shift your life. But, you know, there's many times in our life where God gives us a turning point. And you have a choice. You can either be incredibly angry and bitter about what God has given you, or, like Enoch, use it to walk with God. <laughs> You know, we need to learn through our sufferings and our difficulties and get perspective. You can probably look back at your life and notice several turns in your walk with God. I know I can. I can think about, oh, at this time, then I started going this way. At this time, I started growing in that direction. And it's incredible because when you go through these turning points, you get to a point where you say, God is the most important thing to me. Everything changes, but God is the most important thing to me. When you feel stuck spiritually, it's because you're at a turning point and you don't want to look and see what it is. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Come on, Court. Welcome to Women's Midweek, Peter. I'm outnumbered. You are. Okay, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It says here, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. 
and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You know, this scripture is incredible. It talks about how you get character. Right. Everyone wants to be a woman of character. Right. I can't show me a person who doesn't want to have character. We all want character. But do we want the suffering? Yeah. Do we want the perseverance? Do we want what it takes to get to the character? No. Right. But here it says that when you, um, it says rejoice in your suffering. Because you know it's going to produce something in you. Do you have a limit to your suffering? Okay, I'll suffer this much, but once this happens, I'm losing it. I'm losing it because that is my limit. Right? We can be like that. If my roommate is rude to me once today, okay, I'll overlook that. But three times, no. I will not stand for that. Right? And we can even spiritualize it. I am a woman of God and you will respect me. Right? <laughs> we can make it spiritual. It's not spiritual. Um, or, or with my kids. I'm like, okay, if Brenton lets me sleep five hours, I'm good. Four hours? I could be tempted to be upset, honestly. Like, no, you will sleep, child. Um, but we can put a limit on our spirituality. Yeah. You know, if this happens to me this many times, okay. But God wants more. You're putting me through this again. You know, I'm super inspired by, um, we used to live in an apartment down the street, and the woman above us has a son who had cancer, and that's why they lived there, because it was right across from the children's hospital. And um, she's a God-fearing woman, and we used to have conversations about how she's feeling about her son who was four, who had cancer. And he has a really um, challenging type of cancer. And so um, he went into remission. And he recently, they, he was having stomach problems. And they checked. And he has cancer again. And it's spread all throughout his body. Mm-hmm. And I follow her. And she lives in Bellingham. But she's here with him. So I've been you know, having the opportunity to serve her family and things like that. Um, because she's living at the hospital. And I'm like, hey, do you want a home-cooked meal? Like, can I help you in any way? Because I'm sure hospital food is gross. Um, but, you know, I'm really impressed by her perspective. And today she wrote this whole post, and at the bottom of her post it said, he, in capital letters, H-E, and then the greater sign, and then a little letter I. He is greater than I. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is perspective. Mm-hmm. In the midst of her son, this is, now they're going through a clinical trial. And if this clinical trial doesn't work, they don't really know what the, the options are at that mm-hmm. point. And in the midst of this, she say, he is greater than I. That is perspective. Mm-hmm. Understanding that yeah. through our sufferings, mm-hmm. God is producing something in our life. There is purpose to your pain. Um, And we really need to learn that God wants to put character into our lives. Are you a woman of character, or do you only live a righteous lifestyle when eyes are on you? Do you love the praise of men more than the praise of God? Are you more concerned about what humans say about you or what God says about you? 
Do you come early to church just to look good or because you have a reverent respect for God's kingdom? Do you spend time with God just so you can talk about it or so you can be close to your creator? These are things that we need to ask ourselves every day. Why do I do what we, I do? Mm-hmm. Why didn't Hannah drive three hours to come to church? <laughs> because of her relationship with God. That's a long prayer drive. Yeah. <laughs> but my second point is, God must be enough. Yeah. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Guys, we have no idea how inspiring our faith is. It's so inspiring. And here, this is the hall of faith. And I always think, like, if, if we get to heaven and God elaborates the hall of faith and we can walk through this hall, like, I want to I have a picture there. Like, that would be so awesome. It's like the Apostle Paul, and then Stevie, and then Tesh, and then me. And it says, like, maybe our, great, our most faithful moment, you know, a little classic. She did this, you know. Um, I hope that that's there, but if it's not, I'll just be fired up to be there. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for, and certain of what we do not see. That is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what, it, what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. If you look over in Hebrews chapter 7. I'm sorry, not 7. Verse um, chapter 4. Verse 2, it says, For we also have had the gospel preached to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was to no value to them, because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. So the gospel makes no sense to people. Absolutely no sense. If you're ever studying the Bible with someone and you do like the study about discipleship, what does it mean to be a disciple? You deny yourself. And someone looks at you like you have three heads. It's because they don't have faith. Who in the world wants to deny themselves? No one. That's not what we want to do as humans. But when you look at the gospel with faith, it's everything. Faith changes everything. And going back to Hebrews 11, verse 1 through 6, it talks about Enoch. And then verse 6, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God uh, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We get a reward. What is the reward? The reward is God. In the Old Testament it says, I am your very great reward. Is that enough for you? Is that enough for you? You know, sometimes we're not excited about God because he doesn't answer our prayers the way that we want him to. 
But the reward is not an answered prayer. The reward is God himself. You know, if we don't really love God, you're going to be a very unhappy person. And you've got to believe that he rewards you with your relationship with him. Enoch pleased God. And that's so hard to grasp because in this culture, all we want to do is please ourselves. The majority of things that we see go on is because people want to please themselves. Let's look at First uh, Samuel verse sixteen. Come on, sis. Come on, Corey, this is great. I was very inspired by a sermon I heard, so a lot of this is actually not my uh, text, but some of I tried to make it for you guys. First um, Samuel sixteen verse seven. Come on, It says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. This is so incredible. What matters the most is not how your hair looks, not what you wear, but your heart. What your heart looks like. Let's go to Psalm 63, verse 1. Psalm 63, verse 1. Here it says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. God is better than life itself. What is better to you? Is your favorite YouTube channel? Is your child's success? Is your success? What is better to you than God? Is God's love the best thing for you in your life? You know, we need to pray to God not to get something from God, but to talk to our friends. We need to pray to share our heart, not just tell him what we want. I always say, God is not a vending machine God, where you put in a little prayer and he pops something out. That's not the character of God. You know, one of our, our challenges is that we always are wanting something else. And this is, this is now, but this is from Genesis 1. Eve ate the apple. The whole garden wasn't enough for you. You had to eat this, well, it's debatable if it was an apple. You had to eat this piece of fruit, right? Um, But that can be such a challenge, but we need to have a a mindset that no matter what in my life circumstance, Mm -hmm. my reward is still the same. And I'm going to get that reward because my eyes are set on Jesus. Nice. Let's look at Genesis 32, verse 22. Come on, sis. This is awesome. And this is the story where Jacob actually wrestles with God. Nice. Genesis 32, verse 22. Come on. It says, That night Jacob got up and took his two wives and his two maidservants and his eleven sons and crossed the ford of Jabbok. After he sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip. 
so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. This is so amazing. And, and what something I noticed from this, and today was the first time I noticed it, it says that Jacob was all alone. And that led him to wrestling with God. And you don't get into a serious wrestling match with God until you're really on your own. Like God brings you to a place where you're like, hey, I'm at a crossroads right now. And I got to work this out in my relationship with God. No one can work this out for me. And, you know, many times people struggle at a time in their life because there's no person to shield them from the pain. In the kingdom, we are so shielded because we care about each other. We're shielded by the love of one another. We're shielded by the concern and by the care. But there's going to be a day where you're going to feel alone. And and for people who have been disciples for a while, you can probably already relate to this. Um, But you get out there and God lets Satan get to you, just like he let Satan get to Job. Because... He wants you to wrestle with him. And he wants to know that you are going to struggle for your relationship with him. You know, until we get to that point, we haven't really struggled. And only the struggle will solve it. Jacob had an understanding of spiritual things. And he had a lot of struggles in his life. Non-unrighteous struggles. But God saw that. He saw the importance of spiritual things. And he saw that as enough. And sometimes we just have a little flicker left in our hearts. Like the story I told you about when I almost gave up. There was a little flicker. Like I knew deep down I didn't want to leave God. But I just felt like that was my my only option. But God saw that little flicker. And he, he noticed that. And God notices that. And so there's no one else around Jacob. And so Jacob held on to God. And I think it's so funny because God says to him, let me go. And Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Is that how your prayer life is? God, come on. I'm not going to stop praying about this. Bless me. You know, and that's what he did. He's like, I am not going to let you go. When no one else was around, Jacob held on to God. He had personal conviction. He was not carried along by the crowd or the group. He said, okay, this is what I'm going to live for, and I am going to fight for my walk with God. We need to hold on for dear life to our relationship with God. You know you've reached a great place in your relationship with God when no one else is trying to convince you to be faithful to God. But you just want to be faithful to God. And by faithfulness, I don't just mean you have your quiet times every day. I mean you live your life for God. You are committed to his kingdom. You are sharing your faith when no one's looking. You're living your life for God. I hope that this lesson helps you to think a little bit differently, to really evaluate your life (laughs) and your struggles differently. Because here in verse um, 27 it says, The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. 
Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then, then he blessed him there. So Jacob called that place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face and my life was spared. Wow. And the first scripture I read, another version says, and I survived. <laughs> and, you know, it really gives us perspective to see what survival looks like spiritually. Yeah. And there are points in our life where we will survive. And we cannot take the shortcut. So many times we go, we go through a painful time in our life and we want to take the shortcut. Okay, let me just push that aside. i got to go through. We condition ourselves to think spiritually. And, and we don't actually walk through the struggle. We just condition our minds. Oh, no, that's a bad thought. I shouldn't think like that. Instead of saying, you know what? I had that thought and I need to work through that thought. Mm-hmm. And that's what maturity is. Look over in Hebrews chapter 5. Verse 13, actually verse 11. We have much to say about this because it's hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. We want to mature in our walks with God. We want to be mature women, right? It says to have maturity in your life, you have to train yourself constantly to distinguish good from evil. This doesn't mean that you're not going to have an evil thought. You will. You're a human. And we need to be, we need to just understand that we are 100% human beings in this world. Because when we don't, we can just get to the point where where we start having a bad thought and we're like, oh, okay, I know I shouldn't have that thought. Let me just push that aside. And we don't actually deal with our thoughts. And here, biblically, to mature, you have to deal and you have to distinguish good from evil. Was that a good thought? Was that an evil thought? Okay, that was an evil thought. Now what are the steps where I can move past that evil thought? And you work through it. You don't just say, oh, no, 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 don't think that. Courtney, get that out of your mind. No, I need to think, why am I thinking this way? What's going on in my heart? Why am I easily angered? Why am I this? Why am I that? Yeah. What, what's going on? So I can gain tools, spiritual tools, to help me mature. Right. And that's maturity. <coughs> Otherwise, you're just going to keep being taught the same thing over and over, right. and you're not going to yeah. grow. Right. You know, there's points in our life where, where God brings us to this place. Mm-hmm. And we have to go through the struggle to mature. Because God wants us to go to heaven. He wants us to be with him forever. So when you wrestle with God, know that the struggle will transform you. Mm -hmm. It will bring character. Mm -hmm. But you have to go through the struggle, and it's that wrestling that will truly make you radiant. Mm -hmm. And that's my lesson tonight, is just talking about the, the depths of our soul. And I really hope that these scriptures, that you meditate more on them and take it to another level in your walk with God. What do you need to wrestle through with God? Are there any, um, you know, ghosts in your past or skeletons in your closet, as they say, that you just haven't dealt with? It's too too hard to deal with. You don't want to go there. You need to go there. 
and you need to wrestle with God. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're going to have a midweek in 20 years, and you're going to be in the same place, mm-hmm. and probably bitter. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to be 80 and be an old, bitter person angry at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. So no one wants to be like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's a reality if you don't deal with your heart. Um, no, but, but, you know, I really wanted to talk, first of all, about radiance from within. Because we have such an opportunity with Women's Day to shine bright. And every day as disciples. But first we need to actually have a pure faith that we can share. If you don't have faith, you have nothing to share, right? So when you share your faith, you're sharing nothing because you don't have faith. And faith is believing in what you do not see. And that's something that you can change in a second. By believing, having huge dreams. You know, Joel talked, I think it was on Sunday, about having prayers with no limits. Right. And just praying with in a new way. I love the scripture I read the other day where it says they had all kinds of prayers. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I don't really have all kinds of prayers. Like, I usually pray the same way. I go to the same place, you know. And it's like, huh, that's interesting. So I, I'm, I'm getting a little creative with my prayers. But guys, I cannot stress it enough that working on your faith is the most important thing in your life. Yes. Mm-hmm. There is nothing more important. So you coming here, that's working on your faith. You know, a lot of people, like Lindsay shared, they go to yoga to work on their self. Mm-hmm. But the most important thing in your life is working on your faith. Mm-hmm. And I believe every woman in here wants to be a woman with great faith, right. a radiant woman. But it starts from having that fire from within because of your relationship with God. Amen? Amen. 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 Well, let's stand up, and Nita is going to sing one final song for us. Come on, Nita. Come on, Nita. So I'm going to sing soon, very soon, and everybody really, well, pretty much the campus women know this, and I know that they do, like, the I-I and all that A-O. I don't think we should add that on there. I think we should just... Sing it as women and really just give our hearts to the song. I think that's the original. I think that's how they sang it. Come on, Ida! Okay, so soon, very soon, we are going. Soon, very soon, gonna see the king. Soon, very soon, we are going. Soon, very soon, gonna see the king.